0: This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC Cincinnati with This is the Nation Station. from Kentucky. I'll never forget the
1: Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 147 today on our show. On November 24th, Thanksgiving Eve, 1971, a man identifying himself as Dan Cooper walked up to the Northwest Airlines ticket counter at the Portman International Airport and purchased a one way ticket to Seattle. Hours later, he would leap into aviation history as the only person to successfully carry out the hijacking of a U.S. commercial aircraft. Today, perhaps you can help solve a mystery. All right, apologies for that rubbish Robert Stack impression, but your first question is probably, oh, how's D.B. Cooper related to Cincinnati? This is so cool. Well, it's not at all. But Cincy Shirts Head designer Ricky Henry and myself discovered a few weeks ago accidentally that we are both obsessed with this case, and uh, it's retro. It happened around this time of year in 1971. It's interesting, and a little holiday treat to ourselves. We thought we'd, uh, as two armchair detectives, uh, go over the D.B. Cooper case, uh, discuss it, and uh, see what we think. If you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo Simply use podcast at CincyShirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code near the end of the episode to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Now, let's talk about D.B. Cooper.
0: Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati.
2: In a while I'm at in Cincinnati
1: uh, I already did the intro and, okay and as I explained to people uh, this has nothing to do with Cincinnati at all, but that we accidentally <laughs> discovered we were both obsessed with the uh, DB Cooper case. Yeah, as is uh, my wife's best friend, she's also keen so she'll be very excited for this episode as well. Um, how did you get interested in the DB Cooper case?
2: Well, it's a weird story because um, there was a spinoff podcast that uh, I discovered uh, probably about ten years ago, and uh, as I as and I've been on the show before, obviously. So you know, I think the only other episodes I've been on were about video games and pro wrestling. So yes, correct. Uh, it was a, it was a spinoff uh, podcast called After Dark Radio that they did on the Wrestling Observer. Uh, website. and it was just it had nothing to do with wrestling. It was just you know kind of a show that was a tribute to the old uh, Art Bell radio show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so they always you know covered cryptids and just kind of weird urban legends and and that sort of thing. So uh, we were on a road trip and they had a guy who had written the DB Cooper book, one of many, many books that have been written about the subject. And for two hours, I was just uh, absolutely in- entranced by the story. Now, of course, i heard of the movies that were made in the early 80s, uh, you know, made-for-TV special where Leonard Nimoy did the uh,
1: narration,
2: you know, <laughs> covering in search, the story. In Search Of,
1: yeah. Uh, did an episode about it.
2: Yeah. Three Unsolved so, Mysteries, yeah. But after that, it became kind of a weird obsession to where it was kind of one of those things where, like, every two or three months, I would... Do a pretty deep dive Google search to see where we landed and what huh. new suspects came up, and you know started that. And uh, it's a funny thing that we uh, have uh, decided to do this episode now uh, this week, the week of December first, because as I was kind of refreshing my memory these last couple of days and kind of looking at you know seeing what kind of news was out there. Um, apparently, yesterday. Uh, HBO has a brand new documentary out. Oh, about, about one of the suspects, uh, the one suspect that came up in 2011. Which, which guy, was the Lynn Doyle?
0: Okay, suspect.
2: So, I've got Lynn Doyle uh, on my list and my notes. here. A whole here. new HBO streaming huh. documentary s- launches this week, and okay. I haven't even watched it yet. So I'm I'm delighted because, of course, we're all. Trying to stay at home as much as possible, and any new entertainment that comes along that is uh, right up my alley. uh, I'm I'm pumped for it, and uh, I'll I'll, I will be uh, continuing my HBO Max free trial. (laughs) (laughs) There you go.
1: We really got to get that shirt sorted now for old school. Um, No kidding. Yeah, I have Lindola Cooper on my list, but not as really a, a great suspect. That's interesting. And it's funny you should mention um, the Leonard Nimoy thing, because just as you said that, I realized that's probably where my interest started on the old In Search Of. They did a segment on it. And then I think around the same time, I must have gotten a book either from the Scholastic Book Club about uh, unsolved mysteries of the or greatest crimes never solved, and that was in it. And so just from there, I kind of became interested in this hijacking and why it's never been solved to this day.
2: Yeah, it's cool, and I and we kind of talked about this in passing. I think it's this kind of uh, anti-hero, modern-day Robin Hood thing that is so appealing to everyone. Because we had talked a couple of days ago, just in passing, I said, you know, the only other thing I'm just as obsessed with uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff is the uh, Chicago broadcast interception from 1987, where somebody somehow, some way, was able to. Uh, transmit uh, a broadcast of themselves in a Max Headroom mask doing all kinds of lewd stuff. And that is the only unsolved broadcast hijacking in history. Oh, okay. So again, we're now 30 some odd years removed from that. And that has still not been solved. and No one still knows who that is. And that to me, again, is just so fascinating because is it a crime? Of course it is. But again, did anybody really get hurt? no. Yeah, maybe maybe a little safer than the Cooper story, but yeah. it is still not any less fascinating to me when people do these things that are so brazen and so bold, and
1: yet somehow manage to get away with it. So in the intro, I did my rubbish uh, um, Robert Stack uh, impression, doing the unsolved <laughs> mysteries thing, and explain to people uh, what happened. But for people that skip the intro and go right to the uh, right to the interview. Uh, portion, I, we can recap real quickly that, uh, so this takes place on November 24th, 1971, Thanksgiving Eve. A guy just identifying himself as Dan Cooper strolls up to the Northwest Airlines ticket counter, buys a one-way ticket to Seattle, and uh, halfway through the flight passes a note to the stewardess. She thinks he's just trying to, you know, be flirty, and he says, miss you, know, you should probably look at that note, and it says that uh, I have a bomb. And so she sits down next to him. He opens his briefcase. He appears to be telling the truth. And she takes the note up to the flight crew. Uh, they land in Seattle. Part, some of the passengers are allowed to deplane. They are parked in a distant part of the Seattle airport uh, tarmac. And he demands $200,000 and four parachutes. And then once that arrives, he lets the rest of the uh, passengers off. Only the crew remains. And he orders the plane flown to Mexico. And uh, that's where kind of gets... So I just found out some things the other day that are new. Uh, he did not have a flight plan. They were they were trying to get a flight plan from the airport, and they asked him which way do you want to go. And he finally got exasperated and said, "I don't I don't care. Just pick a uh, a flight path and go." There were four possible paths they could have taken. He said, "Just pick one and go." So they did. So that leads to the uh, to the fact that there probably was not an accomplice because the flight paths are so wide up, widely apart that. He probably wouldn't have been able to meet up with anybody had he survived the jump. Oh, by the way, yes, halfway through the flight, not even halfway through, about an hour out of Seattle, he uh, opens the back door of the 727, which you could do at that point, at an aft stairwell, and he takes uh, one of the parachutes on him, uh, another parachute, and he leaps out into the night and into the northwestern wilderness, never to be seen again, with his $200,000.
2: Yeah, but what's interesting about that is that the two hundred thousand dollars in marked bills were found later. So some of it, yes. Oh, and he says yeah.
1: this is key too. He says he wants it in negotiable American currency, which people later found strange, thinking, "Well, is this guy an American citizen?" That some people think he could possibly be Canadian, because he specifically asked for it a negotiable American currency. And uh, and yeah, some nothing is heard from him until, I think the kid finds it. No, no. In 1978, a guy walking in the woods finds a piece of the uh, the decal from the exit door, and then in 1980, a kid is on vacation with his parents, and he uh, on something called Tina Bar on the Columbia River, and they find five thousand two hundred dollars worth of the money.
2: Yeah, and I've seen specials on that as well, where people say, "Well, you know, they're coming forward saying they found it, but did they know where it was all along?" Right, you know. And I, I find that part fascinating. One thing I will touch on, because I never heard that uh, negotiable American currency thing, especially with the connection to Canada and the Northwest. Uh, one thing that I always found uh, incredibly fascinating about this story was the name itself, Dan Cooper. Now, we say oh yeah, yeah. D.B. Cooper because the, of the fact that, um, you know, that was just a glitch or uh, the someone misheard got it wrong. yeah on the radio when they said dan cooper they wrote it down wrong or heard it wrong as db cooper but correct but the name dan cooper uh the one thing that i always thought was just so interesting and was probably not a coincidence in my book um and again I, my my feelings change on this yeah yeah uh all the time you know uh, one day i'll say i'm for sure it was this guy and then You know, the next time I start studying, and going down the rabbit hole, I change my mind completely. But one of the things that always kind of sticks with me was the name Dan Cooper and the name Dan Cooper being connected to the French comic book called Dan Cooper, which was about, you know, a a heroic uh, pilot, you know, paratrooper. Yeah, so this is straight in your
1: basket. What's that? This is straight in your basket, this comic book connection.
2: Well, it is. And it, and it is very crazy because I I know that the comic book was not a popular comic book in the United States. In fact, I want to say, and I, I may be speaking uh, incorrectly here, and I'll do the research here in a second, but I want to say that the the, the the comic book was um, uh, not of even United States origin. I, I think that it was popular overseas, uh, but specifically in French territories. I think the comic book wasn't French. So the fact that it would have been distributed throughout Canada, especially French, ca- uh, the French-Canadian region, uh, leads me to believe that that's not uh, out of the realm of possibility. Hey, we maybe we, we just made a new connection here. I don't know. But, um, you know, because certainly with comic books, you know, I, I had – until I had gone down this – a journey of studying and looking into DB Cooper stuff i never i never heard of the Dan Cooper comic book and once i started looking into it and learning that it was a french comic book uh it makes me go yeah okay it was probably distributed uh maybe throughout montreal quebec uh in those regions uh which hey you know it could could mean that this guy grew up in that area or grew up a canadian citizen uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, but I always thought that that name being on the plane ticket, um, and, and that being the comic book, was was just too much of a coincidence to pass up, uh, given the well, given the subject matter of the comic book being about a, <laughs> you know, a guy who jumps out of plane. Uh, but you know, another thing you mentioned too is, you know, he jumped out, never to be seen again. Um, you know, I see a lot of people. You know, just kind of go, ah, well, you know, with the way the wind was and how cold it was, there's no way he could have survived. And, uh, you know, there's there's part of me that goes, yeah, that would have been a pretty tough, uh, tough journey from top to bottom. However, if you look at some of the suspects and especially the one that's kind of near the top of my list and we don't have to dive deep into suspects right now. But, if you know, the one that that I think stands out the most um, is is richard mccoy Uh aha okay
1: i got him i got Uh, him on my
2: list he's he's seen as the copycat you know who five months later did the same thing except he got caught um not only did he get caught he went to jail yeah then broke out of jail which i think is (laughs) unbelievable um so you know he is one of those guys he never denied it uh but he never admitted it either uh but when you look at his photograph you look at the fact that five months later he attempted it, clearly obviously survived uh, the same type of hijacking, and just his profile, his image, matches the uh, sketches, uh, I think, the closest. Um, he kind of tends to be at the top of my list. What I find fascinating, though, about the sketches, and the, the sketch is obviously very famous. I think that's what we always talked about putting on a T-shirt was the uh, yeah. just the, the infamous sketch. You know, there were so many people, especially the key witness who was the uh, flight attendant who was on the flight with him most of the time. You know, I know he wore the sunglasses and everything, but, you know, I would assume that she's been shown pictures of Richard McCoy and Robert Rextraal and, you know, uh, Ken Christensen and these guys and, and, and has been able to go. Yeah, that could have been him or no, it wasn't for something as traumatizing as that may have been. Maybe there's just something some kind of scotoma in your brain that prevents you from remembering things clearly because you're just in such a state of panic i don't know but i've I've, you know the documentaries and the documents that i've read they don't really talk to her too much and they don't talk to her too much about his appearance and how it relates to some of these suspects which i find kind of fascinating and strange
1: i've read where some of the uh, suspects were ruled out based uh, partially on the fact that they don't fit the description. But as we know, eyewitness descriptions are notoriously inaccurate. Although, as you pointed out, she was actually with him for quite a while. This wasn't just like a guy running into a bank and, and robbing the joint and running back out and you only see him for a split second. You know, that's a it's a thirty minute flight to Seattle. They're on the tarmac for uh, quite a while in Seattle. They're back in the air for at least uh, I think twenty to thirty minutes before he. Uh, orders everybody into the cockpit, and then they see that the aft door has been opened, and then, you know, he leaps away. And they, they they can only guess at when that was by the change, a slight change in air pressure and the way the plane dipped from when he jumped off the staircase and, and into the night. So, um, And interestingly, there's another thing people, the FBI thinks it had to be someone that knew a little bit about what they were doing. He orders the plane... Uh, to fly at a certain speed has the flaps uh, at fifteen percent, so I, I guess so it can't go any faster or something like that. But as, as you point out, the wind is one hundred and seventy-two miles an hour, and it's a f- it's fifteen degrees outside. So uh, and he's just in his business suit and uh, a pair of loafers. So we think we he might have had something else with him. We don't know. He could have had <laughs> long underwear on. We don't know. But uh, that's why when you're talking about the uh, the suspects like Richard Floyd McCoy. Uh, they, people look into military backgrounds, you know, this guy know about the 727, uh, some say he he must've, others say not so much. And, um, I found a problem with just about every suspect, you know, you know who Brad Metzger is? Brad Metzger. He's, he's the guy I believe that wrote the book about the card counters in Vegas and he's written tons of books. He wrote one about George, the George Washington conspiracy during the revolution and he's a big historical, uh, writer. And I'm pretty sure this is the same Brad Metzger that wrote the one about the card counters. So he does a, he used to have a show on A&E and they do, did a deep dive into the suspect and they centered it on a guy, you just mentioned him, uh, Kenneth Christensen. And I was almost convinced until I watched another documentary right after I watched the Brad Metzger one. Uh, they're, they're convinced because he, he, he fills a lot of the boxes in except uh, another documentary points – because he was uh, in Vietnam, I believe. He was in the military. He worked on 727s for Northwest in Alaska at their refueling station there. And, but there's two things that uh, make me think it's not him. Uh, the stewardess says that uh, – Cooper said that he – because I don't have a grudge against your airline, I just have a grudge. So he says, your airline. So he he's clearly doesn't sound like he ever worked for Northwest. And secondly, he has to be shown how the aft door lowers – and if he's that familiar with the mm. 727, but maybe not, he could add a different job for, and just knew that the aft stairs would lower, not knowing how to do it, I suppose that's possible. But those two things kind of turned me away a little bit from Kenneth Christensen. Um, well,
2: you know what turned me away from Ken Christensen? And I'm like you, I'm buying it up into a point. Yeah, yeah. But the But the one thing, and this is going to sound so funny. Uh, is the one thing that really got me about him. Again, I like to study the faces and compare yeah. the... He was bald. Like, he didn't have any... He Completely, had, like, halo yeah. hair, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, and granted, uh, you know, maybe his brother or somebody said for a while he wore a toupee. I mean, sure, it's very possible. But, you know, that was the one thing I'm like, well, you know, all of these pictures, the dude's got hair. And then I see pictures of Kenny from around that time, and he's he's got no hair on top. And so could he have worn a toupee sure but you know that's one that i kind of i kind of waffle on a bit although he is near the top of that list he's probably yeah. you know um, maybe my number three uh you know behind like i said uh, mccoy um you know eh, eh, that that what you said about the door too
1: yeah sure I, that's kind of that's that kind of a tough a,
2: one but who knows
1: i think he would have gotten that sorted before he tried to do this or maybe just could have relied on that because i'm not sure the stewardess would necessarily know how to lower the aft. well i guess you would because if there was an emergency landing uh because they have since changed that they as soon as that uh, oh no actually you're right richard floyd mccoy pulled the same thing i think it was after mccoy someone finally got around to saying hey might be a good idea if we disabled this while it's in flight (laughs) because i think it's supposed to be an emergency exit i think was the reason it was designed that way and I think finally after, I think Richard Floyd McCoy, 72 or 73, he, uh, he does his in Oklahoma. Is that yes. It? Okay. So, and it, after that, they finally say, hey, you, these, the asters will no longer be able to lower during flight. Uh, so, I mean, I, but I suppose, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, the flight crew probably would know how to, um, would know how to open it and, and Kenneth would probably know that. Uh, and he would not have to necessarily have that knowledge. But yeah, there's a couple other, a lot of a good circumstantial evidence pointing to Kenneth Christensen, former Northwest Airlines employee, not really happy with the airline because of they were on strike uh, every six months. So his pay wasn't steady. And so there are a lot. And he, he, he bought a house. Uh, but later, it turned out when people did some digging, that, no, he had a mortgage on it and bought a house just like everybody else did. But um, yeah, a good suspect, not a great suspect. And uh, you you say you like Richard Floyd McCoy. Uh, How so?
2: Well, uh, you know, the 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 copycat angle, I think, leads to some uh, interesting comparisons because clearly this guy, he got through it. He survived it. Uh, The physical appearance. He's got the same uh, facial features and uh, eyebrows and just, you know, kind of narrow, skinny face. Uh, So there's that part of it, which I think goes a long way. Uh, And just the again, just just. The, the brazen uh, act of, you know, trying it twice or, or doing it five months later, this time five hundred thousand dollars, this time going to jail, then breaking out of jail, having a shootout with the cops, uh, the money that they found in his, cl- uh, the hundreds of thousands of dollars they found in his closet uh, afterwards. Uh, just just there's there's a lot going on there. And, um, you know, a lot of these guys, you know. The, the top suspects they don't really tend to admit it that's the one thing a yeah. lot of them don't really have in common and granted now that we're you know we're, we're, we're chugging along uh in life a lot of these guys are most of these guys have passed on yep um not too many of them you know were, were really keen to admit it even for the even for the fame even if the you know the statute of limitations were up or the case was closed you're cold i mean they none of you nobody really admitted it and uh You know, when uh, he was asked, uh, you know, he never really said uh, he never really said otherwise, and so uh, you know, there's that uh, part of it. I, you know, just the fact that you could do it twice, uh, you know, that that that's a that's a big thing for me. Um, You know, one of the ones that I was really hot on for a while there, which was Robert Rackstraw. um, You know, that one uh, that one kind of fizzed out because he actually died as recently as last year of July. Um, So he was around to do some phone interviews and and he was very annoyed by the uh, fame and publicity and claims that he had uh, lost his job over the investigations and things like that. So he didn't he didn't seem too happy about it. And also, too, uh, that's the one where people were sending in uh, strange letters to the newspaper that if you decoded them, it, it it came up his name and i don't know to me that's just so out of a movie or out of a you know fiction novel that it just is too wacky uh to be true you know for for that um you know i'm i'm interested in watching the new hbo documentary that started this week uh on lynn doyle cooper he's the one he was kind of the first big one that came out post my obsession you know like i said i probably listened to this podcast uh uh, they got me started on it about 10 years ago, and he was kind of the first name that came out after my uh, obsession was in full swing. And again, he has the Canadian comic book, the French comic book, Dan Cooper connection. Um, you know, the fact that his last name is already Cooper. Is that a little on the nose? I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Lynn Doyle Cooper. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that's an, that's an interesting one. He is one of the uh, newer suspects, to be sure. Um he, although the the big knock on him is that he apparently was not a skydiver or a paratrooper, or nor did he have any such any any such skill, which the FBI firmly believes he did, although that's been come into question too because he um one of the four parachutes he's given is a, a test parachute that's sewn shut. Now why mm-hmm. he's asked for four parachutes to begin with, who knows? He's only got, you know, the money which maybe he didn't realize how much it was going to weigh and had him just in case. One is, of course, for him, but why he requests four is a little no one was ever sure of. And uh, people say, oh, well, he would have known that, the, you know, the the one parachute was a training parachute, but uh, that was one of the ones he took. So that right there, people think, well, uh-oh, that's, that's the end of it right there. He, he plummeted to his death. Um, but then, of course, we mentioned the money turns up. Uh, on a place called Tina Bar and is found by uh, a kid camping with his parents and they're trying to figure out how the money got there and from the different jump zones they're never sure of it either washed there it's all found together and I think it's still rubber banded when they find it which which authorities think would be unusual if it had been in the water for a long time so I don't know if you have any other details on the found money Uh, No, that's pretty much it. I mean, um,
2: yeah, I've seen some interesting, uh, uh, analysis and, uh, studies on the money showing, you know, how, uh, what the kind of particles that were on and on it and how it, uh, would have survived, uh, under the water and, you know, what, uh, that, that damage around the edges would, would have been caused by this type of water and this type of temperature, really fascinating science stuff that is far, far over my head, uh, you know, but, um, no, you, you pretty much nailed it there. And, uh, you know, that's the thing is the fact that, uh, some of it was buried, you know, again, how much did it weigh? How heavy was it? You know, did you put it there and forget you put it there? You know, there, there's so many, so many different, uh, avenues and alleys for the money. Um, I I do know it's, it's, it's quite fascinating that, um, you know, the one dollars bill, uh, that was auctioned off did fetch quite a, quite a pretty penny to collectors uh when it was put up for auction but um you know some of the other things too you know in in, in the parachutes are one thing and um i know that uh with the lynn doyle thing and i'll I'll be interested to see uh how they talk about this on the documentary if they mention it at all i know that they uh could have had some dna on the on the clip-on tie that he was wearing didn't he leave the clip-on
1: tie behind yes yes and, um, I've seen several suspects eliminated because, um, because the DNA did not match nor did fingerprints match any of those collected from the aircraft. Um, and there's only one other guy. We'll get to him in a few minutes. Uh, I just discovered this guy today and he's a, he's our very newest suspect and he's the only guy never ruled out on DNA evidence. But, um, uh, one other interesting thing about the, found money was the the kid that found it eventually became a db cooper investigator himself <laughs> as i recall i saw that on a, a show somewhere and he too in fact i think a couple years ago i watched one of his some a and e or tlc show about uh, about it about his investigations into and i don't even know where he landed as it were on who the uh on who the real db cooper was um another guy that uh was a suspect Right, probably right, bef- right before you got into it, was a guy named Dwayne Weber,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, have you heard of Dwayne Weber? And I on have, your yeah. Okay, he's yeah, on your list. Right. Sure. Yeah, so army veteran, uh, a, a deathbed confession in 1995 tells his wife, "I'm Dan Cooper," and uh, she doesn't mean anything to her. She mentions it in passing to some people, and she's like, well, "What? Why, Dan Cooper? What in the world?" And they're like, "He's a." This, the Dan Cooper pulled off a hijacking in the 70s. She's like, oh, so she goes to the library, looks it up, and finds a book in the local library where her husband has written notes in the margins. And then she remembers that they went on a trip to the Northwest and went to Tina Bar four years before the money was found. Hmm. (laughs) So that's interesting. Um, now that could be a complete, he could have been just obsessed like we were with it and was just happened to be looking in the area, you know, and just coincidentally, Happened to be wandering around Tina Bar, uh, you know, or maybe it seemed like a good place for that money would wash up because it kind of it kind of jets out into the Columbia River uh, there. So so who knows? But again, he's eliminated um, his. There's no DNA match. There's no fingerprint match, and he doesn't seem to match the description very closely for DB Cooper. But uh, the most interesting thing, I guess, is the visit to Oregon uh, in the in the late '70s. So,
2: yeah. And and that's the thing about him is uh, I look at his, you know, again, photographs. eh, It's pretty close. It's pretty close. Um, But, you know, that's the thing as an as an artist myself, I I I don't think I could imagine being this kind of sketch artist. I mean, you know, how accurate could it really, truly possibly be? I mean, it's a very generic looking face. And and over time, I think, you know, we've we've looked at these and uh, and we almost create this sort of image in our head of what he's supposed to look like versus what he actually looked like. So I'm guilty of comparing everybody that I see to this this sketch. But, yeah, did he look like him? Yeah, not really. But at the same time, you know, everything that lines up and all the coincidences and stuff. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing because, I mean, you look at a guy, a suspect like. Walter. Like uh, Walter, uh, what's his name? Walter Recca. Sorry, I had a total uh, yeah, bl- blank there for a minute. Walter Recca. This guy, you know, again, interesting story, um, you know, <laughs> fascinating story that could almost make its own feature film. But the guy looks absolutely nothing like the no. pictures no. at all. Um, you know, he gets, his name gets thrown around a lot and I know that they've held press conferences and all of that to help sell books and really put, put his name out there. But, uh, yeah, again, just based on the physical appearance alone, I mean, he has a very, very big wide nose, yeah, big cowboy mustache, you know? So it's, (laughs) it's a tough one to, it's a tough sell. Uh, again, some of the others I've got in my notes here, like William Smith, uh, you know, the credentials are there uh, when you look at his background in the Navy, uh, his, his air combat training. Uh, the one cool thing I, I thought uh, about William Smith was, again, also looks a lot like the, the sketch drawing. But um, in his uh, high school yearbook, he had a list of uh, names of people who were killed in World War II. And one of them was a friend of his named uh, Ira Daniel Cooper. And so his jump could have been a tribute to his uh, fallen brother. Uh, yeah, again, interesting stuff, coincidence. And again, Dan Cooper probably a pretty common name. How many yeah. Dan Coopers are there in the world? You know. Yeah. Uh, and and the connection to the comic book I think is is way too way too key. But um, gosh, I mean, that's that's what's so amazing about this, and that's why there's a part of me that just you know. I, I want to know, I want to know, oh, I yeah. want to, I want it to be done. But at the same time, uh, this is part of the fun. It's like a, it's like a game of clue that never ends. It's like a, it's like a never ending search. And, and, you know, I go back and forth and I had this conversation with my wife and I said, you know, gosh, I just, I just want to know so I can just <laughs> put this to bed. Right. I just want to, you know, cause, cause when I, when I go down the rabbit hole, I go down deep and so. She goes, oh, no, there's no way, you know, that it's that that that, that, that uh, just tarnishes the legacy of the story. You know, the fact that this guy would eventually be caught or we figured out who it was, you know, that uh, that that tarnishes the whole thing. And part of me wants to, you know, I kind of I kind of agree with that, too. But uh, I do love it. I'll love it forever. And, uh, you know, I can watch the documentaries uh, over and over again. And they, they never, ever get old. And, uh, I, you know, again, I think it's that classic tale of. You know, the, the modern day Robin Hood, the, the guy who who uh, stuck it to him, got away with it. And, you know, nobody was hurt. Nobody was killed. You know, there's talk of was the bomb in the bag even real? I mean, I could probably go into my kitchen and cut a bunch of things up and sure. make it look like a bomb, you know, so we don't even know. We have no clue. Um, and that's what's so uh, amazing about it. And, you know, when I tell this story to my kids and they've been around and they're young and they... They see me watching this stuff on TV, and they've huh. caught bits and pieces of documentaries, and I give them the quick overview. They can't even imagine in a world now where airport security is so intense and so yes. exhausting uh, that you could just go to the airport, buy a ticket, show no ID, yep. light a cigarette on the <laughs> plane. You know, it's it's a and it's and it was in you know uh the not too uh distant past it was only you know 40 to 50 years ago well i've got a funny story Uh, for
1: you about that yeah go for it uh so this happens in 1971 and of course we say and we mentioned that richard floyd mccoy pulls the same stunt a year or two later and that's when they start to take things more seriously and uh my mom took my brother and i to france to visit her family in 1978 And we're going to the airport. My dad is a salesman uh, and been flying before the Cooper hijacking, after the Cooper hijacking. So he's been in many airports. He knows what he's doing. He tells my brother and me, mostly my brother, who's five years older than me, do not say anything about hijackings, bombs, don't make jokes, no nothing. They will pull you out of line and you'll never get out of here and your mom will be furious with you. So, of course, we're going through Air airport Security. <laughs> and they're going through the the X-ray machine. And my brother says, what would a gun look like on that? And my dad looks at him like he's going <laughs> to choke him to death. And the, and the guy looks up and goes, do you have a gun? And my brother's like, no. And go, then don't say anything like that. Because my dad had, was at the Cleveland airport a few months earlier, and this lady said, boy, it's so cold here in Cleveland. I wish we were flying to Cuba. Pulled her right out of line. And wow. she didn't get on the plane. So, yeah, they took it very seriously after that, even though it was just, you know – when I worked at the airport in the late, starting in the late '90s, it wasn't much more than, forgive me, than you know, mall cops. Before we had the TSA, uh, at least for a time, they took it very, very seriously. Even the hired help did, and uh, yeah. So just to give you an idea how much it changed within a few years, as far as it, walking up to the ticket counter, buying that ticket, and getting on the plane versus you know uh, them taking it much, much, much more seriously <laughs> after a string of hijackings. Um, yeah, times changed pretty quickly. Uh, that,
2: that is pretty funny though, because I have a very similar story and not you know, just from a few years back when my son was very little and we had to have that same talk with him because he's flying for the first time. We're going to Florida, we're going to Disney, this was probably in 2011, 2012. And uh, we said to him, you know, okay, you know you bring in your video games with you, your Nintendo DS. He was obsessed with a kid uh, as a kid uh, with this video game. Uh, called Bomberman, and I said, I know you love the game. You can play it on the plane. Just don't talk about bombs, Bomberman, bombing uh, people, <laughs> any of that. And we, and even as a five-year-old, we had to be like, you yeah. can't do that. <laughs> and he got it. He understood. Uh, he's a smart cat, but like you know, we had to really lay that groundwork. Because sure. as a parent, I was just like, oh, my God, he's going to go through and say, where's my Bomberman or something, <laughs> you know? And uh, we get pulled again, straight out of line, Disney canceled. Uh, so, yeah, it's,
1: it's funny. It's funny that we have those similar stories there. That is funny. And you going back to the Dan Cooper thing, uh, William Smith's classmate and the versus the comic book character. If you look through all these suspect lists, there's somebody that firmly believes that they've got the guy, whether it's Metzger thinking it's Kenneth Christensen. There's this other author that thinks it's William J. Smith. There's another one that thinks it's uh, uh, Floyd McCoy. Uh, Richard Floyd McCoy. So, and only one person can be right, if any of them are right, which means all the other people are, this, this is the part that really fascinates me, are relying on coincidences. And coincidences just happen in the world. I mean, either it's inspired by the Dan Cooper comic book, or inspired by, a, a this guy's classmate that passed away, or third choice, neither. It, like you said, it's a common name, <laughs> and it's just picked out of thin air. But it's just so strange to think that, you know, all these people are wrong and maybe only one person, if that is right, based on all the same evidence that's before us. That's just the, the big, the big picture, I guess, is, is, is what fascinates me as well. I'm, I'm right there with you and, uh, you know, a lot of coincidence
2: in the world. I see it every day. Um, what do they, what do they say? Like a coincidence or a case of deja vu is a, is a glitch in the matrix, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh. Yeah, you, you're totally right. And uh, for all the people that are so sure of themselves, there could be someone out there right now, 95 years old, watching this whole thing unfold, <laughs> laugh laughing hysterically. Mm-hmm. And I love that possibility, too. Sure. And, uh, you know, maybe one day cool. I'll learn that I'm a distant relative or something. Who knows? Oh, there you go. But uh, Until then, uh, you know, I am just fascinated with every new article, every new documentary that comes out, every new podcast that uh, explores it. And uh, continues to just keep that name alive, and in, in, at this point in popular culture, oh sure, um, as a as a popular uh, modern day urban legend, and um, I'm into it, man. And I've had a lot of fun talking to you about it today. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. And I'm yeah. sure you knew this was coming because I figured it was coming my way as well. Yeah, yeah, so sure. I'll, I'll deal the first blow. Sure. At, at this point in time, you know, December 2020. Who's at the top of your list? Like, if you had to pick one, you know, roll the dice, put a little cash down on it. Who do you well, think is uh, who would be your top suspect?
1: Well, I was going to say that I just read about a guy today called Sheridan Peterson. That, uh, although he insists that he was in a hut in uh, Southeast Asia writing a protest book, bu- a book about the Vietnam War, though, again, he ticks all of the boxes former military, paratrooper, uh, smoke jumper. Uh, for those who don't know, the, the people that jump into fires and um, they interviewed him once and they said, you know, if you had done this under these conditions, would you have survived? And he said, absolutely. So I'll do more digging on him. But before I discovered him this morning, uh, I would say that it is none of the above is my theory. My theory is uh, that I'm working on is that the D.B. Cooper, Dan Cooper, uh, I think was a guy that may have been terminally ill had really nothing to lose and he wanted to stick it to either Northwest Airlines or somebody because he's very calm on the flight. I think, I think it's a suicide mission. And he leaps out of that plane and he is purposely not found again. I'm not even sure he opens the parachute, uh, to be honest with you. And that the money just ends up, you know, but then there's a problem with that too because that money really can't end up on, uh, Tina Barr naturally, I mean, they don't, the Army Corps of Engineers doesn't think that's possible. It's found wrapped. There are some bills missing from some of the bundles, but the rubber bands are still intact. So that kind of kills my theory, but I lean toward the fact that it's none of the people we've talked about, not even Sheridan Peterson.
2: That's, and that's uh, I, I, that's valid. I mean, I I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be uh, uh, the, the way to swing it. And, um, and I, I certainly don't think
1: that's a cop out answer because I'm I'm
2: kind of the same way.
1: Everyone else is a bad um, bet. I mean there's a reason to discount everybody. If Richard Floyd McCoy there's credible evidence he's in Las Vegas the night of the hijacking and in Utah the next day having uh Thanksgiving dinner with his family. Richard uh Rack not Richard Rackstraw the, the dude William Recca. You know, I don't I'm not like I said, eyewitness accounts, yeah. But he's so not looking like the 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 um sketch that it's obviously not him. Like you said, full bushy hair, big stocky guy. I mean, yeah, I think they would be able to tell the difference between that dude and the dude that is, you know, in those sketches. I mean, yeah. And then, of course, Dwayne Weber, you no know, DNA, um, you know, he does have the walk on Tina Bar, But, yeah, it's just there's no one that's got ticks enough of the boxes for me, I guess, that I would, you know, I'd have to get some good odds if I'm going to put money on it, <laughs> I guess.
2: No, and it's and I'm the same way. You know, I, I like William Smith. And I think he is uh, one of those guys that doesn't get a lot of uh, attention. Uh, he's not one of the ones that have had the big books written about him, the big documentaries written about him. So I kind of like the idea of sort of rooting for the underdog, <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm the same way. I, I yeah. feel like it, it's just a guy, and that we look too much into, uh, you know, extensive military training, extensive that's true, you know, yeah, paratroop, paratrooper training and all of that to the point of kind of obsessing on the credentials versus just a guy who had nothing to lose. Yes. Uh, That reminds me of when I was a kid, I was a big fan of GI Joe. And when they finally did a origin tale of who is the Cobra commander, who is the leader of this great terrorist organization, Cobra. And it turns out he was just a disgruntled car salesman. I was like, that's a great story. Like what a great, this (laughs) isn't a guy who is anybody other than just, you know, he was just, you know, what, what did they say? Uh, all it takes is one bad day, and so uh, that's that's where I that's tend. That's true. To yeah, that.
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, and who knows? You know, the, the real Dan Cooper, whoever he may be, he just could have known that. Oh, you know, by the way, the the, the aft doors on a seven twenty seven come down. You see about someone sitting on a tarmac at an airport somewhere. That's all you need to know. He could have taken a parad- uh, a skydiving lesson or two. Didn't have to be in the military. Uh, you know to, to do that, which would also explain you know why he wasn't picky about the parachutes that he requested. So yeah, I, I'm thinking it's it's nobody on the list they, they st- and this is just a short list. The FBI has a suspect, a really long suspect list of people that they've been. I think only a couple of people are still on the list even though they've officially been eliminated. But only, you know, I guess this dozen or so are uh, the only ones that are seriously considered. One of the last thing I wanted to touch on about these kind of things, like conspiracy theories and stuff, is um, I saw a documentary, I knew it was about a, a couple of weeks ago while I was working here, and this guy mentioned, I knew it was in regards to, he said, you look at the, uh, the Reagan assassination attempt. He goes, the Reagan assassination attempt is unsuccessful, and coincidentally, not coincidentally, but interestingly, there are no conspiracy theories about it. Because Reagan survived. If he had been killed, to this day, you would have people saying, oh, I'm so sure a guy was trying to impress an actress and shot the president. Yeah, you believe that. But since he survived, everybody totally buys the story. Yeah, this was a nut. He tried to impress an actress he had a crush on, and that was the end of it. Whereas with the Kennedy assassination, Lincoln, everybody else, people just people can't wrap their heads around uh, random events. And this, I think this kind of falls into that category. Like I said, we we may be looking at things like because every one of these authors, like I said, zeroes in on a couple of things and says this this absolutely proves it. Even though you can point to their stuff and say, yeah, but this kind of throws it in the other direction.
2: Ah, uh, totally. And you know, we could take it one step further. I, and you know, my 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 second guess would be you know, that he's not even of this dimension. He's like the man <laughs> from Tarid.
1: Of, of course he would.
2: <laughs> you know, um, he just happened to cross over that day. Uh, and that's why he was never seen again. Um, which, you know, I, I, I love that story too. Obviously the man
1: Oh, from he's some serial adventurer from the future, kind of like a quantum leap situation. And they, yeah, I wonder if I could hijack an airplane and maybe he went back into the 1600s. I wonder if I could pirate a ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, it, look, it's entirely possible. I don't, I don't rule anything out at this point. And uh, maybe I just need some fresh air. Maybe I need to get out more. Uh, but no, I don't rule anything out. But uh, look, man, I've had a great time talking to you about this today. And yep. obviously, I think we need to do uh, a follow up, whether it be on the record or off the record. Uh, let me For know sure. what you think about this new documentary because I'm okay. going to work that. I'm going to work that into my plans this week, if not tonight uh uh, because i again i just found out about it the next airing if you are an hbo subscriber i think it said the next airing was tomorrow oh it's a series Uh, it's not just a one-off it's a series it's a one-off but you know if you if you watch hbo like on traditional cable not oh oh, okay okay
1: is it on uh, is it on max
2: it's it's on tomorrow and i'm trying to see now if it's on max let's see HBO. Mm -hmm. i can look i can do it here in real time um called the mystery of db cooper uh here is a screen rant article from literally 20 hours ago Uh which is so crazy that we're doing this um
1: yeah let's
2: see when does it air
1: you know we have our finger on the pulse because we released that um action park shirt before realizing there was an action park documentary coming out we released the irs records shirt uh, about six months before uh, that documentary went into production, and it's almost finished. So I think we really are. So we, I think we need to get a D.B. Cooper shirt sorted, <clears throat> a, a Dan Cooper comic book shirt sorted. We'll have to see if the trademark is still alive on that. And um, I don't know if we'll be able to sell it to the rest of the team, but I, I'm definitely liking a, a D.B. Cooper shirt in old school.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if it is on Max or not. Uh, it just says HBO, which I okay. would assume... That, that includes max but I'll do some more research but I know it's it's out there it just came out this week and uh, we'll check it out but I'm looking forward to it I know it like I said I know it focuses solely on the Lynn Doyle LD Cooper okay suspect so we'll see how that okay, goes I, I don't want uh, about
1: I don't know a lot about Lynn Doyle Cooper so that's good that'll be a good uh, that will be a good perspective on that uh, the last order of business um, the coupon code I already recorded the outro to save some time because I gotta get this posted tonight, and I chose the obvious uh, DB Cooper as the coupon code for folks. Um, all one word, no dots, just DB Cooper. I was gonna be clever and put Dan Cooper, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to throw people off if they're just casually listening while they're doing something else. Uh, the coupon code is DB Cooper to save twenty percent at OldSchoolShirts or CincyShirts com. Um, You've got shirts to design, I've got shirts to upload, so I shan't keep you any longer. But for sure, let's um, yeah, try to get a a Cooper design into base camp and uh, see what the rest of the crew thinks.
2: Oh, I th- I will, I absolutely will, and uh, we might even have it up in the next twenty four hours. So oh, awesome, great, uh, super. Oh yeah, because I mean, I, I think you know, as a, as a t shirt guy, you know, I always. You know, I try to design shirts where I go. Yeah. Well, what would I wear? What would look cool? And exactly. I just
1: think his his sketch with sunglasses on on a yeah. shirt on a well, white shirt th- would look awesome. <laughs> I'll send you the one I used for the um, blog post. Is the one of him uh, with and without sunglasses side by side? I'll send that to you in the chat, and you can see what you think of that one. Or you can, yeah. There's no shortage of the ones of him with and without the glasses separately. The FBI sketch. So, um, yeah. All right. So everybody knows of his whereabouts or has any comments. Like I said, and I'll, I'll remind you in the outro, go to our Facebook page, um, and look for the post on this podcast or go to CincyShirts.com, uh, the blog post for the podcast and just comment below who you think DB Cooper was, uh, any of the people we talked about or like we're thinking someone that isn't even on the list. All right, Ricky. Well, thanks for taking the time, man. Appreciate it. It was fun. We'll talk right. to you later. Thanks, man. Bye db cooper was 43
0: when we first heard his name 47 miles away from where he fell down to his fame but he told me that the hardest part wasn't really jumping out of the plane it was spending the night Watching them lights shine through the pouring rain They had a manhunt that next morning like nothing I had ever seen I was only eight years old at the time, watching on the TV screen
1: Shining Thanks to Ricky Henry for taking time away from designing all those great shirts you see on the site. He has help, of course, from Darren, as well as the very talented Kyle Mitchell. And uh, we also have some guest designers in there as well. Rob Warnick, uh, James Billeter designed stuff for us as well, and the uh, occasional freelancer, too. So please let us know your theories on DB Cooper. Either go to the Facebook uh, post that's going to appear with this podcast, or you can comment on the Cincy Shirts blog. There'll be a blog post for the episode if you're listening to this some other way than besides off of our blog. So you can go there and uh, give us your theories. And then uh, there's Todd Snyder you're hearing in the background there with his song about D.B. Cooper. Love Todd Snyder. He should uh, Songs of the Daily Planet his debut. Fantastic. And uh, he has a lot of fans. Kind of wish this one was a little more up-tempo. I think that would fit the case a little better but uh, A Ballad is also good and uh, it's a really good tune. Now if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or someone you'd like us to have back on the podcast email us podcast at cncshirts.com put podcast guest in the subject line and then give us the details about why you like to have uh, a particular person on or back on the show be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state and if you haven't already as always go back and check out the Cincy t-shirts podcast archives 146 episodes back there now you'll enjoy each and every one of them i'm sure today's show is produced by me with help from josh and darren our right, music is cincinnati by big nothing there from philadelphia find their music on itunes spotify or wherever else you get your music pretty much Find fidgettees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, and tons more. We've got like 32 cities now in OldSchoolShirts.com. A lot of the funk sports teams, old shopping malls, old rock clubs, things like that. It's like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is DB Cooper. Simple as that. All lowercase. All uppercase. That part doesn't matter. There's no dots in DBCooper. It's just DB Cooper, All one word. Use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can come in to our stores and over the Rhine and Hyde park and say i'd like to use the podcast code db cooper and they will knock 20 percent off your entire order follow our social channels facebook instagram twitter and snapchat for the latest in c-shirts news tell your friends about the show give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from and as always download or stream us next time bye